Welcome to the Advent Sermons and Conversations podcast. This is the Conversations half. We will be talking about what to do after the call. I'm Deanne. I'm Kevin. So this Sunday, Pastor Gary was talking about kind of what is the Holy Trinity using the metaphor of water being both steam and water and ice, but still being H2O. The thing that really stuck out to me was the beginning where Pastor Gary was talking about how we tend to, as a church, have little arguments or little differences, like whether you use wine or grape juice for communion, divide us on being the body of the church. Apparently, people have been arguing about what the Trinity is for a long time. (laughs) Yes. And that, that was the connection that he drew. And he acknowledges that for a lot of people, the Trinity becomes a thing that's kind of like, you just kind of settle as like incomprehensible, mm-hmm. inaccessible, or like just doesn't matter. Like, eh, it doesn't make any sense anyway. So whatever. Whereas I guess that would be like your, your church member. Whereas like theologians like to argue about it with tooth and nail. But um, yeah, and he, he kind of, I guess, proposes, he's like, here's, here's what I suggest amongst this. And he gives like a really simple definition. And then it's like, let's not worry about it beyond that. Because really, the heart of it is knowing that God came to us through Jesus. And God is with us now as the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, I, I kind of like it. I like, we live in a totally confusing world and I like when people can simplify things and acknowledge like that is a simplification, but this can be kind of like an anchor of like, this is the gist. Mm-hmm. It's really helpful for me to hear that, even as someone who's been going to church for a long time, that like the gist is, here's God, God came to us through Jesus, is with us as the Holy Spirit, that's the Trinity. <laughs> Yeah, and I definitely think some of the things we tend to take um, take as gospel, if you pardon my pun, um, now were actually really controversial in the early church, and it was like debated, like what books go in the Bible, and what do we believe, how do we pray? Mm, that's true. The church has been fighting since Jesus went back to heaven, probably before, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, arguing. Yes. That's, it's, uh, it's part of our history. What do you think about that? Is that like, okay? Is that normal? Is that part of figuring out faith together? Is that, I don't know, is that an issue that's always existed with the church? Mm, I definitely think it's an issue that's always existed with the church here on earth because the church here on earth is made of and run by humans to an extent. Yeah. So that's kind of a human flaw. But then it's also kind of the complication of how do we how do we not just make our churches someplace that's open and welcome to somebody who thinks like us or looks like us. Yeah. And so while like Pastor Gary gave the example of a really minor difference with whether using you should use alcoholic or non-alcoholic um liquid for communion there are some more major differences that in some ways kind of deserve to be talked about. And it's kind of this this point with me where I'm like, how do we be welcoming of all opinions and different ideas, 
but also still kind of have principles and have a line and like be respecting people's humanity like to give a super far out example is if someone says only white people go to heaven which is very racist and based on a very racist idea should we as a church be able to have the principles to say no that's wrong like we still love you but that's fundamentally not true about our church and that by saying that you're denying the humanity of people of color that's a great question to that example i agree and and say that we absolutely should call that out as antithetical to the loving gospel of god and uh, yeah it's racist and dehumanizing but i do think it's important to talk about that Mm -hmm. because you know we do uh, we try to create space for a lot of conversations where if someone is coming from a different place we say you know we appreciate your perspective we you know even if the everyone's perspectives aren't the same it's important to create a space that allows for multiple perspectives to be heard and respected right but as you're pointing out beyond that sphere there there's a point when a perspective or idea can very clearly be contradictory to loving people mm-hmm. to what we believe, you know, as that like a core of what we believe the gospel is about, but that God loves all people. It's important. And there's a, there's a big difference between saying to that person, get out, which is also, I think, not okay. And saying to that person, we hear you, but believe this, that this is wrong and here's why. Mm-hmm. That, so that, that comes back to the arguing as the church, I guess, is like, I, I sometimes it, being willing to engage in the discussion is a form of acceptance. It's just not like blind acceptance. It's like, I'll talk about this with you. You're accepted here, but the idea isn't, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Like you are still accepted. That idea, I mean, to clarify for everyone in the community that that's not what we're about. And that's definitely like a far, far out idea, which is why I gave it as an example, because there's so many more that are closer to home and gray that the the church is debating on a regular basis like would we really like accept a homophobic person into our community yeah and what does that mean if we're not inclusive of a person who's not inclusive of other people and that's where we tend to um kind of self-segregate into like the conservative church and the liberal church and then we don't really mingle. Like it happens on its own. Yeah. Because you could say like, oh, what's the cop-out thing people always say? Like, oh, you wouldn't like it here anyway. <laughs> like, I feel like I've heard that as an excuse for excluding people. But in a way, the, with the self-segregation that happens, you know, like if a, a homophobic person would probably be uncomfortable with a lot of the stuff that's being preached mm-hmm. in our church. And so they'd probably not come, keep coming. Then that's dangerous because then we just keep getting surrounded by people with the same ideas as us so it's kind of this reinforcing cycle whereas uh because i have a friend of mine who she's very intentional about wanting to go to churches close to where she lives and being in community with them and she often tends to go to more baptist type churches even though she's queer but then it's also like that's important for her to then like 
talk about it with the congregation and start to challenge some of the congregation's assumptions. Because I know one of them she was talking about, it had been literally preached that people were gay because they had demons in them. Oh, man. So... So she had a long way to go. Yeah, but then she says by being able to, they already know me and they love me, and being able to use myself as an example to challenge their assumptions about who is a gay person or a queer person. Yeah, like you you know me, like I am a part of this community who like, you know, loves God and loves people and I'm like am a whole person yeah do I, do I look demon afflicted to you like yeah that's but i'm sure it's been challenging still right mm-hmm. i mean that, there's something brave about that so she's come out to some, her church communities that have preached that yeah was she nervous yes but i also think she felt secure enough in herself to do it and to uh felt like it was kind of the right thing for her to do at that time wow I really admire that. Yeah, definitely takes a lot of guts. Yeah, it takes a lot, of, a lot of guts. Mm-hmm. Like, has it, has she felt like she's made progress? And she says it's definitely helped because it kind of gives people who don't necessarily know anyone who's gay kind of an, a a starting point almost. Yeah, it's definitely a strange like kind of place to be of being in uh with with that situation i know i had something similar happen recently where about a month or so ago one of my roommates confronted me about because she believes that homosexuality is a sin so she confronted me about um, my faith and sexuality whoa deanne that's that must have been a but then also she was having a really rough time in the last couple of days and she was asking me to pray with her and pray for her. Hmm. And it was just such an interesting kind of dichotomy where she had gone from like questioning if I was really Christian to then like being in this kind of community with her where I was praying with her and praying over her that it... Hmm. I don't know. It's one of those... The actions and the discussion did not match up. <laughs> yeah. But also then it's kind of that example because what I was... Because what I kept going back to when I saw that she was having this difficult time was like, God, how can I help? And how can I be here for her? Hmm. And so it's... Yeah, it's this complicated... Like, we have arguments as a church about things both big and small, but then how do we still keep the community together and keep living as a church community. I think it's really cool that when you had to kind of answer that question in your own situation, that you turned to God, you know, and Mm -hmm. and framed it that way and asked, you know, God, what, like, what am I meant to do in this moment? You know, what, what would you have me do? What, what is how can I live out the gospel in this moment? You know, mm-hmm. that I believe that's a really cool response as opposed to like just thinking it as like a personal attack or maybe like being victimized, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a both situation. Which it, that is. Yeah. Like I, I'm not, yeah, I don't want to uh, diminish how jarring that must've been and challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's cool that in, in the midst of that you were able to turn, you know, 
turn it around and look to God and, you know, view your response not as one of like defensiveness, but as one of like an opportunity to to be a disciple in that moment, I guess. So I think that could be one of the answers, just like prayer, turn, you know, turn to God. But also backing up a little bit, all all of this discussion we've gotten into, um, as I kind of like put it over, like a transparency over Pastor Gary's sermon, it it kind of makes me, in my mind, it kind of comes down, in today's Christianity, it comes down to three things. One, there's certain parts of our faith that it's maybe, uh, I guess, like a waste of time to mince words about, you know, to like, to just debate about to exhaustion mm-hmm. when they're like inherently complex and like, or not ineffable, you know, like they can't be pinned down. And then I think there's, there's a second thing of like, there, there are aspects of God that we cannot know. So there's like, there's things that just like, it's better to just simplify them and use that as like an anchor. There are things that aren't in the Bible that we don't know. And that, you know, if God is to transcend human understanding, which we believe God does, like that's just part of the game. Mm-hmm. And then I say the third group is like, what are the things worth arguing about? Mm-hmm. You know, what are the things that we're not going to put in those two other groups and put in the group of like, we need to talk about these things. And what we decide to put in that group now, I think would be very different than what the Christian church would decide to put there 500 years ago or a thousand years ago, or even 50 years ago, you know? Um, And perhaps that's, it's meant to change with the times, you know, but what I hear from the sermon is like, maybe we can put debating about the Trinity aside and kind of just get a, you know, a gist foundation from it Mm -hmm. with an acknowledgement that, we can never really, in our human words, pin down this like immense nature of God. And maybe it's better to engage in the conversation about other things, like who belongs in church. Mm-hmm. We'd say everyone, you know, and, and how can we engage in discussions about that? Yeah. And it's like, how do you love everyone as who they are and as they're coming to church, but not just kind of the like the fuzzy cuddles love of oh it's like we love you so everything's fine you don't need a change sometimes i I keep going back to pastor danielle's sermon on love and truth is you can have love without truth where you're not calling Mm. people out when they're wrong and you're not Mm. pushing them to grow or be better be more faithful but then you can also have truth without love which I think we are seeing a lot in this political era, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. you're just so aggressive on what you think is right that you're then alienating anybody who doesn't agree with you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't help but see this kind of disturbing parallel in what we're talking about, and I'd like to kind of like parse out the differences because there must be. But like you know, we were talking about earlier about kind of like accepting accepting the person but saying like if that person believes that like only white people go to heaven saying like we ex- we accept you you can be part of this community we'll engage in conversation but like that that is fundamentally wrong to our beliefs mm-hmm. it just reminded me of stuff i've heard from people who are part of like uh, yeah fundamentally conservative churches well they'll say like 
we accept you, but the fact that you're trans or gay is a sin. But like, we accept you though. And, you know, I look at that and say like, no, that like being gay is a part of who they are to accept them fully. Mm -hmm. That's, but I see a similarity there of like, we accept you, but like not that part of you. But what's the difference? But there's a difference, right? What I see as the difference is like opinion. Versus identity. Yeah. Versus, and then that also gets tricky is what, what do you consider like close enough to kind of become part of you? Yeah. Like, oh, I don't think that person can say like my belief that only white people go to heaven is a part of who I am. And Mm -hmm. you're rejecting me by rejecting that belief. Because again, it's a, it's a belief about the world around them. It's not who they are. Maybe, and I think that's different. Yeah, I can see that. And it's also, we don't want to end up falling into kind of the fundamentalist liberal church where it's like, this is what we believe. This is what is right. And so therefore everyone else is wrong. Yeah. It's hard to be like, where can we find the middle space to work to accept and understand all people, but not in that deny people's humanity because so many of the like homophobic or racist opinions are then denying those people their humanity Mm. so we don't want to get to a point where we're like where we say that we will accept all people but then to do that it ends up making our church unwelcome to lgbt people for example Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's that kind of that weighing and that questioning. Yesterday, I was painting a mural on one of our front doors with some of the high schoolers here at Advent. The mural through various, you know, they planned, kind of planned it out throughout the fall. I was guiding them along through it. Um, and it's meant to be like a welcome piece on our doors that has kind of a welcoming symbolism to it. All day as we were painting, like people were looking up and some people and were being like, looks good, or I'd ask them how it, what they thought, you know, if I ca- saw them looking, just to like engage them. And it was like a really positive experience. But there, w- there was one guy that where I was like, I saw him looking up and I was like, what do you think? And he was like, looks good. He's like, as long as it's not going to turn into some anti-Trump message. I was like, no, it's just like a pro-people message. It's not, not political, but I don't know. I thought of that guy and I was like, this, this, um, this mural is welcoming to that that guy too, you know? Mm-hmm. And and what does that mean? What does that look like? Side note, you can edit this out, but I actually don't know if I want to use that anecdote because it's like calling out a particular political candidate, which I don't know. Yeah, anyway. Because I was about to say to that in a little bit of kind of the behind the scenes discussion we've had, um, especially in some particularly tense political times, one thing we've really tried to do and tried to focus on is how can we talk much more about policy and what's actually affecting people and what's doing things in the world versus like general political people because they're just so broad and so vast like it and one time it would be appropriate to talk about people as like they said this thing so we're going to talk mm-hmm. about how this thing they said is wrong. But mm-hmm. to then just kind of take a person who is a child of God and just count them off, mm-hmm. even though we might disagree with 
many of the political stances, especially when talking about politics, break it down to those stances versus just saying, oh, this person's bad. Policy, not politicians. Yes. Policy that's really like rooted in how we see the call to serve God in the gospel. Mm -hmm. It really starts with that. You know, like we read in the gospel that we're called to feed the hungry. Okay, what what can we do to create, to do that here, but also support wider policies nationally and globally or nonprofits or whatever that will feed the hungry? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's bigger than any one person. It's easier to focus on one person because that's much simpler and it's an easier kind of go-to and way to kind of check with the people around you, like, do we agree or not? Are we in the same group or not yeah individual politicians can become like identifiers for groups yeah Yeah. but i feel like we're called and we should try to dive deeper than that and shouldn't just rely on kind of these shortcuts i agree and i think too by avoiding those shortcuts or those like group signifiers but focusing on an an issue it's more open for conversation, you mm-hmm. know, oversimplifying also makes it easier to butt heads and say, oh, you're that group. I'm this group. It's over, you know, whereas when you're discussing, we believe we should be serving society in this way. How can we do it? What would that look like? It's so much more open ended for everyone to contribute to how a shared goal might be done. Yeah, I guess. So the Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you were saying before, like, it might be interesting for theologians discuss the nature of the Trinity and how it connects and how it works. But I've always been the like, yeah, that's how it is kind of person. So when in Pastor Gary's sermon, you were just kind of nodding your head being like, yeah, that, I that's, know. that's I the you. Trinity. Yeah. I found it refreshing because while in, in fact, I would say we didn't even go on a tangent, but like, I think, I think this was Pastor Gary's point is like, this is meant to be a foundation and a springboard uh, from which our faith and action is meant to be launched out. You know, Mm -hmm. if you kind of start running in circles, talking about like the nature of the Trinity, uh, the nature of God, which at a certain point is beyond our understanding, you never get off the springboard. True. You're stuck there. And so I think he intended to kind of simplify to say, this is the, here's a foundation. Now let's go be the church. Mm-hmm. And I found that really helpful to have that clarified. And, and sometimes it's nice to actually have sermons that like have kind of a, a conclusion point. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like an anchor. Yeah. You know? Cause so much of the time, which I love about Advent is we're kind of diving into the like, complex and the difficult and the confusing Mm -hmm. and we don't necessarily come out with an answer hence why we have a conversation afterwards to try to figure it out a little bit more yeah (laughs) but yeah sometimes it's nice to just take a breath and be like this is god amen so kevin what will you do differently this week what will i do differently you know i think I i don't know if i'll do it this week but I, I never brought this up in the conversation, but when we talk about like the Trinity and like what debates 
is the church having should should the church be having i also think about like my agnostic and atheist friends and the aspects of christianity that um they either struggle with or like that are the grounds for their believing that christianity is not true or is nonsensical and i think the for many atheists and agnostic people the the convolutedness of the this idea of the trinity is an aspect of Christianity that just makes no sense and therefore is grounds for it not having truth. I think Pastor Gary's words would help me this week if, I don't know, if it came up to be able to speak to that in a way that's both simple and, and compelling, you know, mm-hmm. and respectful to say like, you know, basically it's this, but also, you know, we believe that God transcends human understanding. And so, like, beyond that answer, it's, like, not really worth getting into. Yeah. I kind of, I, I kind of like that response, honestly. Mm-hmm. Because I know that kind of gets into the, some of the things I've seen around, like, kind of the evangelical culture is, like, you have to have an answer for every question that, like, kind of solves. And Let me prove this to you. Yes, yeah. that, like, satisfies them. But it's, like... Part of religion is the mystery. Yeah. So I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of own that more. But also I've been given some language to kind of simply explain the basic gist of the Trinity in mm-hmm. a way that feels solid and like correct enough, you know? Yeah. For me, I, trying to kind of reprogram myself to be like, to be more kind of accepting of people and their quirks and the things that are going on be more kind of loving through that even when it's Mm. even when she's getting really annoying (laughs) even when it's challenging yes thank you for listening you can find us online at adventnyc.org you can email us at podcast at adventnyc.org or join our facebook group advent sermons and conversations to join in the discussion our services are 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. in English and 12.30 p.m. in Spanish at 93rd and Broadway.